1: Josh Bowe from Pod Maverick. As you can tell, I am by myself. Uh, my co-host, Kirk Henderson, uh, took his son, Parker, to the game. He had an opportunity to get some really good seats. He was sitting maybe a few rows behind the Mavericks bench. Uh, so, you know, got to take advantage of that opportunity. It's a Friday night. Could have had uh, our good friend and staffer, Maz Ball staffer, uh, editor, Doyle Raider join me. But it's Friday night. And the Mavericks playing the Trailblazers, and I knew it was going to be a pretty nondescript game, especially with no Luca, no Derek Lively, no Dante Exum. So we're starting early. I know Kirk scheduled this stream for 1045. Um, but I don't, you know, it's Friday night, man. I, I, you know, we got, we, got, we got shit to do. Like, what are we waiting for? Like, let's just, let's do this. Like, why, why sit around? Mavericks just beat the Trailblazers. And reminder, no Luka. No Derek Lively, no Dante Exum, no Grant Williams. That's three starters, and uh, Grant. And then Grant Williams, who's been coming off the bench, uh, and the Blazers had most of their guys. They had Shane Sharp, they had Scoot Henderson, they had Simons, uh, they had Jer- Jeremy Grant. Uh, They're basically the only main player. You know they had Malcolm Brogdon. You know Deandre Ayton is about the only main player that they were missing from their main rotation. And the Mavericks won by 36 points. We are not a Blazers podcast. We are a Mavericks podcast. So, But I I have to empty my chest on the Blazers here in a second. So before we get to that, we're just going to fly by. um, Just, you know, don't want to discredit the Mavericks for a stupendous win considering the circumstances. Portland stinks, but the Mavericks still had to play. And we've seen the Mavericks without Luka lose to... Similarly, bad rosters. They just lost to a Memphis Grizzlies team that is not that much better than Portland right now, even with John Morant. Um, so this, you couldn't have taken this one for granted. But let's shout out the Mavericks for playing aggressively, for playing fast, and for participating. Because apparently for Portland, participating was an option. Here are some numbers. 58% from the floor, the Mavericks finished the game. 44% from three. They were 17 of 38. Um, they only got to the free throw line 15 times because they didn't need to, because they were just scoring at the rim at will, and Portland didn't even want to give the effort that they could foul. They had 17 turnovers, which is expected. No Lucas. So it got a little sloppy. 36 fast break points. The Mavericks had 36 fast break points. They had 64 points in the paint. Their largest lead was 39. They kicked some serious ass. Um, It was was remarkable. Kyrie Irving was aggressive, made five of his first six shots in the first quarter. He finished with 24. He could have had 40 if he wanted to, but he clearly took his foot off the gas pedal a little bit just because he didn't really need to give any more effort than he did. He had two steals, two blocks, nine rebounds, five assists. Mavericks once again have 11 steals and eight blocks, which is what they had the last game uh, against Portland uh, on Wednesday. Uh, I think our man, uh, our man Hank, and our Mavs Moneyball Slack, you guys know Panda Hank, 38 combined stocks, uh, steals and blocks in the last two games for a Mavericks team that basically gets no steals and no blocks. Um, unbelievable, unreal. Um, uh, one, two, three Mavericks had at least two steals. derrick Jones Jr. had three. Kyrie already said had two, and then AJ Lawson had two. Craig Brown, freaking two way contract, came off the bench three blocks in garbage time. Um, Tim Arway, Jr. had a block. Um, Brandon Williams is credited with a block. Uh, they're six one, uh, other two way signing. Um, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, it was, it was an ass kicking. Uh, There's no other way to say it and credit to the Mavericks. Uh, they, they did everything that they had to do. Um, Josh green looked incredible. So did Jaden Hardy. They probably each both played maybe their best games of the season together. Uh, hello, Toronto Raptors. I hope you were watching this game. Uh, Hardy almost had a triple double 19, nine and nine. Um, uh, Josh Green had 14, five and five, and he only missed one shot. Hardy was eight of 14 from the floor. Um, so they looked really good. Um, AJ Lawson had 14 points tomorrow. Junior had 19 points, one, two, three, four, five, six Mavericks in double figures. Derek Jones Jr. Had 12 points. Um, and then even like some of the other guys didn't get double figures. Like Brandon Williams had seven points and in, in 10 minutes, um, Seth Curry had nine points in 20 minutes. Omax Prosper had eight points in 14 minutes. And Greg Brown the third had seven points in 12 minutes. Uh, so, again, the Mavericks played the Blazers twice, 36-point win tonight. Um, it was also a 30-point game Wednesday with Luka playing. Oh, uh, no, 29-point, excuse me. Uh, but they were up by 30-plus at, at certain points of that game. So, uh, just... Doing what they had to do, taking care of business. Sorry about my camera. Uh, it always goes off. I have a crappy webcam. Um, so, yeah, I I don't even know, know what to say other than, you know, like it's cool that whenever AJ Lawson plays in Garbage Time, he seems to light it up. Sometimes I wonder, like, should those guys get some more minutes in, in real games, but you never really know. Um, this felt like – I said this on Twitter. I mean, this felt like a high school game – where like the big school is kicking the crap out of the small school and the big school is just like, okay, well let's just keep running it up because we want stats. Like we want a stat pad. Like there were moments in the third and fourth quarters where it was the Mavericks were just like, I mean, we could walk it up the floor, but if we also hit this guy ahead and and run really hard, we're going to get a layup because Portland has a hundred percent given up on this game. So credit to them. Like, Portland did want to play, and the Mavericks played basically from, from opening tip to the end to the to the final buzzer. So um, Mavericks should run up the score. Like who gives a crap uh, if the, if this is how the Blazers are gonna are gonna play. Now that I've said all that, Portland. They are 9 and 25. They just lost to a luka less liveless, Mavericks team by 36 points. I am so glad I don't have to watch the Blazers again. I'm really happy for Mavs fans that, you know, really enjoyed this game uh, as you should. Like fans of the team should enjoy, you know, watching your basically the JV lineup besides Kyrie dominate an NBA team is fun. The crowd was rocking, you know, it was cool that it was at home. Um, our some of our our Mavs moneyball slack slackers, uh, staffers and slack were we're having a good time. You know, I I have divorced the fan part of my brain a lot since I've been covering the team as a media person for the last 11 to 12 years. So like, I don't necessarily like I'm not like hooting and hollering or yelling or screaming during the good games or the bad games. I'm just kind of watching. Um, so for me, I'm just uh, get the, get the Trailblazers off my fucking TV. Like I just don't, <laughs> There's nothing like that was embarrassing. I think that was one of the most embarrassing NBA performances I've seen from a team in quite some time. Um, someone pointed out to, uh, Matthew on, on our Mobile staff was like, uh, "I watched uh, the Mavericks in the '90s, uh, so so that one is it for me." Thankfully, I didn't. Um, I was playing Super Mario World and not watching the '90s Mavericks. Apologies to uh, the '90s Mavericks, but it, like I cannot remember a more embarrassing effort from an NBA team in the last few. So I don't know what Portland's doing Um, relegate the franchise. I don't want to see him. It blows my mind that there are teams with less wins than the, than this trailblazers team. I've watched the last two days. It blows my mind that a team in the NBA set the single season losing streak record, not that long ago. And it wasn't this team. Like if you dropped an alien from outer space and told them to watch these two games and you were like, okay, you know, do you think this is the team that set the single season losing streak record? Yes, of course. Of course. Um, this team blows. Uh, I'm sorry. They, you know, it, it's one thing for them to be so bad, and it's another for like the disinterest. Like they were not trying, like it was bizarre. Uh, they were playing like it was the last day of the regular season and they were they were waiting to get to the locker room so they can get dressed. And get on their planes to go on their vacations. Like I, I, I'm just I'm mystified. Like, I'm not mystified that the Mavericks went 2-0 against the Blazers and that they were two blowout wins. I'm mystified that they were these laughers. Like this is outrageous. i 2024 is going to be a good year for me because I don't have to watch this crappy team anymore. I don't want them to waste my time on my TV. Like this is absurd. Um, good for the Mavericks, good for guys getting some numbers, get a win. Um, but holy crap, I do not want to watch this team anymore. And I don't have to. This was the last time the Mavericks played the Troll Blazers this season. Get them out. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, get them out of the NBA. Put them in a, you know, let's just round up. Let's round up Portland, uh, Charlotte, Washington, Detroit, and San Antonio, and let's put them on an island, and they can just play all the basketball games against each other, and let's let the actual NBA teams play. Um, I think it's pretty crazy that there's – these many bad teams in the NBA this season. Um, I mean, that's going to be one, two, three, that's five teams that are not going to get, I don't think those either of those five teams are going to get the 20 wins to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and it kind of messes up the standing. <laughs> like that's five teams that like all these other teams, like they're just feeding wins. Um, Like the Mavericks have four wins against the Blazers. They have a win against the Jazz. Um they have two wins against the spurs they have a uh, a win against the grizzlies like it's there's a part of me that's like i don't even know who some of these teams are because beating portland and beating charlotte and beating washington does nothing for me does nothing for me um as someone who's trying to analyze a game uh, and it sucks like people talk about like uh, what does the nba need to do to like make the regular season matter um you know what what do they need to do, like, to help TV ratings? I don't know. Surely not this fucking shit. Like, you gotta have some f- real teams. Like, <laughs> you gotta have games that matter. Like, this is this is lunacy. Uh, I don't know. Like, this is a bad product. Good for them. Again, not the Ma- not the Mavericks' fault. Mavericks can only play the schedule in front of them. They should beat the crap out of these teams. Shame them. Shame these crappy teams. Like, you know, like, make them. Uh, try to put some embarrassment in their souls so that this never happens again, because holy crap, I feel sorry for anyone that wasn't a Mavs fan that tuned in on a Friday night to watch this. Uh, So whole, just, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to see this team anymore. Um, I'm glad the Mavericks uh, promptly put them in the garbage can where they belong. And I think that's all I want to say about Portland. I, I apologize. This is a Mavs podcast, not a Portland podcast, but that was embarrassing. That was just absolutely embarrassing. And kudos to the Mavericks for, you know, the Blazers were stuffing themselves into the trash can themselves. Uh, that's whoops, said themselves twice. They, they they were doing it themselves. And then the Mavericks just kind of like kicked them in the ass and, and shoved them down and, and put the lid on it, which kudos to the Mavericks for doing that. They absolutely should. So I'm going to take a quick break. Um, We've been talking, I've been talking about 13 minutes and I don't know what else to say about this team. uh, Sorry about this game. Um, So why don't I give some thoughts on some trade rumors uh, after the break and kind of what my thoughts are on that. Um, So if you're watching us on YouTube live, please like, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like the stream helps us out a lot. If you're listening to the audio only feed, please, you know, make sure you're subscribed to us through your feed. Uh, and listen to us, you know, wherever you can listen to our ads. If you're on the audio only feed, um, that's how me and Kirk get to make our money. Um, if you skip the ads, we don't get paid, which, uh, which obviously that's not the only reason we're doing this, but, uh, certainly helps for sure. Um, so we're going to take a quick break so I can put some of those ads into the audio only feed. You two people just hang out. Uh, and we will be right back after this.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Okay, I am back. Mavericks thoroughly embarrassed the shitty Portland Trailblazers 139 to 103. Um, just about everyone that played, played well. Uh, every single Maverick was a plus and plus minus. Um, the lowest was Prosper at plus two. Everyone else was a positive. I mean, that just shows you how thoroughly dominant this game was. I mean, they had a 10-point lead in the first quarter, and it was it was like over. Like, it was crazy. Um, Portland never showed any fight at all. So since this game, there's not too much to learn other than the Mavericks um, emptied the trash when they should have. And today was apparently trash day with Portland in town. Trades, people love the trades. I love talking about the game. I don't like talking about trades. One thing I'm really bad at it. I'm not Dalton Trigg, our friend over at Maz Money, or not Mas. Our friend over at DallasBasketball.com or or SI uh, Dallas. Uh, not sure what they're still what they're calling it right now. But um, I'm not as good as him at the fake trade machine. I almost always get things wrong. I almost over overvalue certain guys, undervalue certain guys. I'm not good at thinking about what GMs want um so i try to stay out of it um unfortunately the reality is you guys love it not necessarily you guys listening but like the mba audience as a whole um loves trade rumors loves free agency rumors we could write like 10 of our best well-written mba analysis and columns on the site and one trade rumors post will get more traffic than all 10 combined like That's just what people want. Um, So when people complain like that NBA coverage doesn't focus about the games, I don't know what to tell you because this is what everyone's asking for. Um, So we're going to talk about some trades because we'll cap off our nice Friday night. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't know what the Mavericks are going to do because as of right now, their trade assets are fairly limited. They can trade one future first as of right now. They owe uh, the 2024 pick to New York. If that conveys, then they won't have the 2025 to trade. I believe they can trade either the 2026 or 2027 first rounder, but don't hold it to me. Basically, you know, it doesn't matter really what year. Before they get rid of the next pick, they can trade one future first. Once that pick conveys, I believe, like three future firsts open up to them. They already owe a future first to the Nets for the Kyrie trade. Uh, And then after that, you know, they've got some second rounders that they got back, I think, in the Grant Williams trade. So there's that. That helps. Um, And then young players, it's basically, you know, they're not trading Derek Lively, obviously. Um, He's off the table. Uh, I think they, you know, they want to keep around Jones and Exum, who've been really good. Good fits next to Luca and Kyrie in the starting lineup. In terms of desirable young players, it's basically Josh Green and Jaden Hardy, um, who both were having really terrible seasons up until... Tonight, for the most part, uh, or last few games for Hardy, that's for sure. Green's been hurt. Hardy hasn't played well. Green hasn't played well when he's been healthy. But they've kind of turned a corner maybe the last couple games. We'll see. Um, but those are probably the only desirable things the Mavericks have to trade in terms of players because, you know, they're not trading Luca, They're not trading Kyrie. They probably won't trade Tim. But Tim has reached that weird spot where he's so valuable to the team because of his shooting. And I'm not sure teams – value Tim as much as the Mavericks value Tim and the Mavericks have tried to trade Tim and it just doesn't seem to happen. So I'm not counting on that again, uh, but we'll see um, a lot of talk, like a lot of Pascal Siakam talk. Um, I want to make one point. Every time I talk about the Mavericks having difficulties entering those trade conversations because they just don't have the same ammo. I get a lot of pushback from people that say, well, you're crazy because Siakam's a pending free agent His market's going to be considerably lower. And once it gets to that point, the Mavericks are going to be in it. And I guess that might be true. Um, uh, Sham Shrania at The Athletic talked about how the Kings and Raptors trade talks were heating up for Siakam. And then like a couple hours later, he was like, trade talks between the Kings and Raptors have ended. Which just really sums up uh, how much uh, bullshit you have to sift through during NBA trade season. Um, if the Kings are off the market, if that's not happening, which don't believe, you know, it could they could wake up tomorrow and agree to a trade. I don't think the Shams report means anything at all, really. But let's just take it for face value. You're probably looking at the Indiana Pacers uh, and the Golden State Warriors as the main competitors for the Mavericks to get Siakam. I don't think the Hawks are going to do it because the Hawks stink and they are not in the playoff running. I think if they were like a 500 or above team, I think they would they would they have the chips to push in and make that trade. But they're bad. They're not going to give up anything of future value to to improve a team that's so many games below 500. So the Warriors obviously have Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody, um, who are, have kind of created a firestorm by letting it be known through. Anonymous sourcing that they are fed up with Steve Kerr and the way he's handling the rotations and their up and down minutes. Um, the Raptors showed with the OG and Anobi trade that they value, it seems like they are valuing players over picks. They want young players that can play for them right away and help contribute and play around Scotty Barnes, who's the new kind of tent pole of the franchise. Um, they traded Anobi, they didn't get a first-rounder form. Uh, they got Emmanuel Quigley and RJ Barrett from the Knicks who are two young players with production. Uh, you say what you will about RJ Barrett and his contract, but he does he at least puts up numbers in the box score and quickly is a, a widely regarded you know, young guard stuck behind Jalen Brunson that probably needed an opportunity to, to play, and he's played pretty well in Toronto's two games. So that's the kind of, you know, if you think about Toronto wanting those kind of players, Golden State makes a lot of sense because of Moody and Kaminga, um, two highly regarded for former first-round picks that play well when they get... Opportunities, they just don't get a lot in Golden State, or maybe as much as they should. Indy is a little tricky. I don't know. They have more prospects than the Mavericks, but Jairus Walker, who they took eighth overall in the last draft, who I love, I think he's amazing. Uh, I think he's going to be amazing. um He hasn't played, he's not in the rotation, you know, getting the Rick Carlisle treatment. Uh, you know, I would think he is a more valuable prospect than anything the Mavericks could offer Toronto, but. He's also kind of an unknown. If Toronto wants players that have NBA production that are still young, then maybe they don't see as much interest in Walker. But the Pacers have a gaggle of young players uh, Benedict Matherin, uh, Jairus Walker, Andrew Nimhard. Uh, they've got a bunch of guys that they could trade and still be a competitor. Like they don't have to give up. They could give up like half of their young players and still have a really competent roster around Tyrese Halliburton. Miles Turner, and then you're building around Siakam. So, but it really comes down to is Siakam going to re- like does he want to be in Indiana? Um, so, if he doesn't give an indication he wants to resign, maybe that takes another person, you know, another uh, player off the board. I think the Warriors are going to be the toughest team to beat if the Mavericks do have interest in Siakam because I could see Siakam, you know, wanting to resign with the Warriors, be in San Francisco, a great market that you know players love being in California. Uh, San Francisco has turned itself into a pretty good competitive market. Um, their organization with a winning pedigree that he might be want to stick around with. So when you, when you have that combined with and their owners that are willing to spend money and you combine that with, they have young players that Toronto might want, that makes it tough. But if Siakam makes a note, Hey, I want to play with Luke and Kyrie. Don't trade me anywhere, but Dallas, that's where I want to resign. That's where the Mavericks can probably get into it. But I just, I have a hard time believing Toronto is going to accept a package of like Josh Green, Jaden Hardy, and like Grant Williams uh, and maybe like some picks compared to what some of these other teams have to offer. But stranger things have happened. I think the Mavericks, if I had to make a guess, I don't think they're going to make a big splashy move this trade deadline because I think they're waiting for those picks to free up this summer. And then they're going to maybe make their next move. I think they definitely want to make a move for like a definitive third best player. It's kind of been their white whale ever since they traded for Kristaps guess They've been seeking that third guy, and then they traded Christops, Uh, And they had Dinwiddie and Brunson, and you're still like, okay, Brunson's good enough to be the second guy, but is Dinwiddie the third guy? And then, of course, they lose Brunson. They trade Dinwiddie for Kyrie. So now they got Luke and Kyrie, and they're still – who's the third guy? You know, Dante Exum's great. Lively's great. Victor Jr. Jr.'s great. I don't think you want any of those to be your third best player for the next year or two, although Lively is certainly going to make a case for it. For sure, but that's a lot for a 19 year old rookie. So we'll see. See, I love Siakam. He's a dream. Like, if I were the Mavericks and they had the opportunity, I would push all the chips on the table for him. Uh, I am a homer, I'm totally biased. Um, My first job out of college around 2013, 2014 um, was I got a full time uh, sports reporter job, page designer job at the McAllen the Monitor newspaper in McAllen, Texas, which is down in the valley, the Mexican border, um, you know, right on the border of Mexico. And they have UT Pan American, you know, Texas Pan American, which I think is now UT Rio Grande Valley. They rebranded it after I left. Um, they were a small division one school that played in the the WAC, uh, the Western Athletic Conference, which is the same conference as New Mexico State. And guess who was at New Mexico State? Uh, or when I, you know, around 2013, 2014 Pascal Siakam. So I got to see him in a small, tiny gym courtside sitting in press row, uh, with less than like, you know, 200 people in the building. Uh, and it was awesome. And he really impressed me. He was, you know, you could kind of see it then, uh, that he was going to, that he was a great player, very skillful. So I've always had a soft spot for Siakam because of those reasons. Um, so I probably overvalue him a little bit more than maybe a more neutral bystander would. So I think he'd be a perfect fit at the four. People talk about his shooting. The Mavericks have a top 10 offense with basically three non-shooters in their start with lively XM and, and Derek Jones Jr. None of those guys are high quality three-point shooters. They're making some of their open ones, but you wouldn't call them shooters. Uh so siakam's shooting doesn't concern me because he is a downhill scorer, someone that can attack closeouts, someone that can drive in the midpost, that can score in a variety of ways, um, that can make the simple passes that he needs to make out You know, out of those drives and closeouts. You give him a little bit less offensive burden. He's still efficient right now, by the way. So, like, even on a team like Toronto that's a little bit of a mess, he's still putting up efficient scoring numbers. He's a good defender when engaged. Um, he's athletic as hell. He's in a young enough you know, he's like 28 uh, or 29, so like not a little maybe on the older side in terms of like finding someone for the Luca core, who's still 24, about to turn 25, uh, but still not, not that far. Like he's not someone who's over 30. Um, I think he would be great next to Lively. I think it would boost the Mavericks' athleticism profile. I think it would solve a lot of issues the Mavericks have with size. They would have a real power forward for the first time in like a billion years. Uh, and they would be athletic. They could play just as fast as they're playing now. So good player in transition? Um, he would get the Luka boost, you know, getting passes from Luka. I believe I saw somewhere earlier he's a 44% shooter on corner threes this season, which you know, that's what you want with Luka. So maybe the shooting isn't that much of a problem. We'll see. Um, but that's what I would do. I would, I would go all in. Um, my guess is if I had to be – if I guess what the Mavericks want to do, is they were probably waiting to see if like they can get a distressed asset, sort of like Kyrie was last season. Like they only get the tr- they only traded for Kyrie not because their package was that overwhelmingly better than the competitors, but because Kyrie's market was basically just down to the Mavericks and the Lakers because those were the teams that were desperate enough to want to trade for him uh, because Kyrie had driven his trade value into the dirt with all the missed games and the controversy and even his performance was was not great. At times in Brooklyn, he had that really bad playoff series against the Nets. Um, the last time the Nets, uh, you know, the last time he played a playoff game with the Nets, so his value was low, and the Mavericks took advantage. I feel like that's if they're gonna make a move, it's gonna be for a guy like that, for a guy that's value is not where it should be, maybe compared to where it, his name value, and that allows the Mavericks to kind of wiggle in because there's not a competitive market. Um, that's where I see the Mavericks taking advantage. If that player doesn't open it, present itself. Then I think they're cool to to chill and go into the summer. Let their picks open up, complete the New York Knicks trade with the Kristaps New York Knicks trade, open up those assets and and make some moves. Um, there was a note in you know Yahoo Sports. Jake Fisher made a note in his his kind of trade roundup article today that the Mavericks have been rebuffing teams on Josh Green, and I'm sure that sent a lot of people into the loony bin reading that. I feel like the way it was phrased, it wasn't. I don't think, personally, just there's no no insider, no spec. This is just pure speculation. My guess is that there are teams that are circling the Mavericks and trying to buy Josh Green for cheap because he's had a disappointing season, and wondering if the Mavericks might have some buyer's remorse after the extension. And the Mavericks are are rightfully saying no because there's no point in trading, selling low on Josh Green. I don't think it means the Mavericks wouldn't include Josh Green in a big trade. I just if the difference between the Mavericks getting that difference-making third best player, all-star, near all-star level type of contributor, if the difference between getting him and not is including Josh Green in it, I don't think the Mavericks are going to say, no, we can't do that. Like, I don't think he's going to be what holds them back from making a big move, is Basically what I'm trying to say. Doesn't mean it's going to happen this February at the trade deadline. Maybe it happens in the summer, but we will see. Um, so I've been talking about 30 minutes. Uh, I think that's about it. I'm going to wrap it up. I just want to give my thoughts because siakam has been on a hot topic lately, since that seems to be the big name floating around. The other big name is Zach Levine, and I mean the Mavericks are not. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I guess um, he might be a distressed asset. His market is very low. If the Mavericks didn't have Kyrie, he would 100% be the type of guy that I would think the Mavericks would would, would want to take advantage of a uncompetitive market and try to get him for get him for cheaper than than expected but I don't think you can build your team around Luca, Kyrie, and Zach Levine. Uh, unless they really just want to win games by scoring 145 points every game. Which, hey, that'd be fun, so, so we'll see. Um, I expect Kirk will be back for our next podcast. Uh, I can't say for sure. Um, but the next game is going to be Sunday against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, I'm excited. Mavericks haven't played, you know, the last time they played Timberwolves, Luga didn't play and they still almost won. Like they only lost by eight. So I'm curious. The Timberwolves have, have looked a little sluggish the last few games. So this could be one for the Mavericks to win playing at home. Um, and we'll see. So that's it for me. I've talked a lot for just being by myself. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. hope you guys enjoyed the win. This is the kind of win you should really enjoy. Like it was, it was a hell of a lot of fun win. We'll see if the Mavericks can get healthy uh, and, and take on the Timberwolves and finally get one of those signature wins. They need, they need a signature win just just to help out the the narrative a little bit for Luka in the MVP race. So I'm Josh Bo for Pod Maverick. Uh, Mavericks dominate the sad sack Portland Trailblazers. Uh, everyone give yourself a pat on the back. You never have to watch the this version of the Portland Trailblazers for the rest of the year. That's a win for all of us. Um, we get to scratch something off our New Year's resolution. I had don't watch any more Portland Trail Blazers games. So congratulations. Uh, I've completed a New Year's resolution in about five days. Uh, so I'm going to leave it here. Uh, this has been Pod Maverick After Dark. I'm Josh Poe, editor at com, co-host of Pod Maverick with Kirk Henderson. We will talk to you guys later. Have a good weekend. See you Sunday night.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about.